This is Reverend Chuck Blair. Welcome to our weekly podcast on New Church Live. Great to have you folks here. What great energy in the room, and it's just going to really build to a beautiful crescendo. So great to have all of you here today. Welcome to the third part of our series, What's Your Story? And the basic key tenet we've been looking at is a pretty simple one. The stories we rehearse, please say the S word there, the stories we rehearse are the stories that shape, the stories that shape our lives. So we have these stories and we keep on rehearsing them, rehearsing them, rehearsing them, and and they shape our lives. I I work a lot with couples, and and inevitably if a couple's having a hard time, and I'll say, you guys have a script around this argument, don't you? You know where he'll say this, she'll say that, he knows his lines because he's rehearsed, so then it goes back and forth and back and forth, back and forth. How many of us do that, right? You know, that's the rehearsal I'm talking about. And how do we actually break our stories so that we can start to see them in a new way? Not necessarily rewriting, but learning how to reframe those very stories. And that's real important. It's important to understand, like, our stories can come down to a couple of things. We can see our stories all one way or all another way, sort of these organizing paradigms, I would say. And you look way back in history, anybody know who that guy is? Sigmund Freud. Sigmund Freud said all our stories, the whole thing is just about pleasure. That's it. Just about pleasure. And then you had other great thinkers like Viktor Frankl who wrote the book Man's Search for Meaning. And he said, no, all our stories are about meaning. About meaning. And we see that running through the whole Bible, these stories of meaning. And how is it that we create stories that come into more and more meaning? This is a quote from his book. There's nothing in the world, says Frankel, I venture to say that so effectively helps one to survive even the worst conditions as the knowledge that there is meaning, that there is meaning. So how do we put that together, right? Victor Frankl, he was a Holocaust survivor. He saw things that none of us should see. He experienced things none of us should experience. And somehow he, he got that, wow, I can actually somehow sit in this thing, grieving those parts, deeply grieving those broken parts, acknowledging those broken parts, acknowledging the good stuff as well, and putting it all together into a story of meaning. Again, that's not always optimistic. That's not always, hey, the world's just great. It's a very authentic way to see the world in a way that I feel that enables us to connect with other people much more readily. This, this idea of meaning, this idea of rehearsing our stories in a, in a new way was so important in the Bible that, that there's a number of places where God says, look, this is the story I need you to rehearse. This is the story I need you to go over again and again. I mean, maybe that's the whole point of the Bible, so that we have these stories that we keep on repeating. We've been repeating them for centuries because we need to keep on being reminded, reminded of, of how life somehow works. Now, the context of the story, because we have a lot of first-time people here today, the context of the story I'm going to read for you it goes way back. It's like a 4,000-year-old story. And in this 4,000-year-old story, we see a shift taking place. We see a movement taking place. And it comes down to this very simple, I love this map. This is a kid's map. 
where we start over here on the left, we start our lives all full of promise, bright-eyed and bushy-tailed, and then we kind of wander. We, then eventually that starts to feel like more and more slavery. We start to feel enslaved. The example we used was, was you know, a job that can feel so great at the beginning, but then slowly becomes constricting. And then we go through a time where, where we have to leave that, and then we go through a time walking around in the desert, in the wilderness. And original beauty gives way to a fall from grace. In other words, life goes from this, and all of a sudden this starts feeling con- like it's contracting us, so we start to move out of that. But that moving out is hard. It's difficult. It's challenging. It's a, it's a wilderness kind of thing, and we kind of go around in circles a lot. And, I, and I, when I have people visit me who are going through that, it's, it's hard to convince them, but those circles are actually good news. It's actually good stuff. It shows that you're moving, that stuff's being cleared out, and believe it or not, you're getting ready for something new. Number three, return to a new land, return to a new place. Again, we started out with Bruce Springsteen, the promised land. That's, that's where we start to get into the promised land. Our story takes place right as they cross in, that very end of the red line where God says, okay, this is the story I need you to repeat over and over and over again. And the point of this story, folks, take a look at this next passage here, is, is a life that's just totally full. This comes from, this comes written thousands of years later, but it's talking about what we're getting into. All of us with our unveiled faces, like mirrors reflecting the glory of God, are being transformed into the image that we reflect in brighter and brighter glory. This is the work of the Lord and the Spirit. It's talking about becoming shiny. It's talking about our lives finding a place deep within of light and allowing that light then to go out into the world. And it's unveiled. It's, it's all of a sudden where we, where we feel like, wow, I can, I can actually allow my light to shine. There's that famous Marianne Williamson quote where she said, you know, it's not our darkness that, 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 that worries us. It's our light. We get really afraid to show our light, be that singing up here on stage, be that uh, joining a small group, be that doing any number of things that, that, that it's very hard to do because we, we, we want to protect that light. And, and that's with good reason. That's with good reason. And maybe we can get to the point where that light can slowly become more and more unveiled and can grow greater and greater and greater. So I want to read you the story and then I want to talk a little bit about what exactly it means. And I've been reading this just so you can get the rhythm of it. The priest shall take the basket, oh, excuse me. Then you shall declare before the Lord your God, my father was a wandering Aramean, and he went down into Egypt with a few people and lived there, became a great nation. So that's the good part. Again, like that, that initial great part, powerful, numerous. But the Egyptians mistreated us, made us suffer, putting us to hard labor. And we talked about that last week. That's that what was initially so great can slowly feel very, very constricting. Then we cried out to God. God heard our voice, saw our misery, toil, and oppression. So the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand and outstretched arm with miraculous signs and wonders. He brought us to a place, gave us this land, this promised land, a land flowing with milk and honey. And now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, God, have given me. That's what we're going to be talking about a lot. What are, what's that first fruit thing? How does that exactly work? Take a look at this line. He brought us to this place, gave us this land, a land flowing with milk and honey, and now I bring the first fruits of the soil that you, Lord, have given me. And then it goes on. 
Place the basket before the Lord your God and bow down before him. Then you and the Levites and the foreigners residing among you shall, please say the R word, where shall rejoice in all the good things that the Lord God has given you to you and your household. Now, now I, I think for a lot of people, like if, if I'm sitting here and I'm a first time attendee, that kind of, that's thick. That's like, wow, how did, what does that have to do with life? And the beautiful part, I think, is, is, is actually we can start to see how it has a lot to do with life. That we can really start to understand what those first fruits actually are and how they actually work in our life. What's interesting to me, and I'm going to come back to this after the song we have. These first fruits, folks, we go through life's journey. As the band comes out, I want you to think about this. As the band comes out, I want you to think about this. We go through life's journey and we have that, that initial place and then we have this fall. And we can't quite imagine... A gift, like if we're in the middle of this darkness and we're just circling around and around, can we imagine any gifts there? Yes or no? No, we, we can't even imagine that there'd be a gift there for us. And in a way there isn't, in the way there is, but we don't discover it till we're in a new place. Where we can actually look back at our journey, go, oh, now I see how those things connected. The good and the bad. Again, it, it doesn't make life all good. What it does is it says it creates a life of meaning, a life of real incredible promise where we can start to see that one day, one day maybe it does all connect in incredibly beautiful ways. So, you know, that's life, like, right? And we, we get these moments where, where we get to, like, celebrate the first fruits. We get to celebrate things that, that, that just somehow, like, it just comes together. And I want to talk, I want to go over here and talk about what those first fruits are and, and, and what they can mean in our life and why this story is so important to rehearse. I, I, I want to be clear, like, it, <laughs> again, sometimes language escapes me especially when I think something's really important. You know, I tend to, tend to stumble over myself. And, and that's because I, I just find it really fascinating that God says, look, rehearse this story, rehearse this story, rehearse this story. Your story stinks. <laughs> you know, please, please, please rehearse a different story. And he sort of gives us the spark notes to it. He says, here, rehearse this instead. It's a much better story. It's a story where our lives, you know, again, they, they have these great parts and they have really broken parts. I want to say that again and again. Everyone in this room has a very broken part of their story. I think what hell has us believe is hell has us believe, well, ain't nobody else wandering the wilderness but you, sister. You are the only one. How true is that? Is that true? No, it's just not true. Just somebody said, yeah, that was good. <laughs> it, it just isn't true, you know, and that's why we have to have the discipline. Like, like spiritual life is about a discipline. It has a discipline angle to it. It has, has certain things we need to do over and over again because that will help us get better and better at doing it. It's like if I want to become good at dancing or singing or, or athletics, I have to practice certain things again and again and again until I can do it in a way that's more spontaneous. And that's why I think coming to this place and really doing the work of, okay, so I've been in a, was, was here, this started to constrict, hit a wilderness time, whatever that might be. Now I'm about to hit the promised land. And, and uh, here's God saying, be very aware of first fruits. 
first fruits, that idea that these first fruits were, were to bring them to God, were to place them before God, and were to rejoice. Were to rejoice. Rejoice with everyone. I mean, it's interesting in that passage that I read, that Bible passage, it said, who are you supposed to rejoice with? It says foreigners. You know, in other words, that was their code back then for rejoice with everybody about this stuff. Because it is that incredibly important. Now, these first fruits, folks, New Church, we believe this is, the, this is where we start to get the essentials of life. We start to really understand, really understand, First things first. First things first. We understand that, 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 that deep and rich meaning. We, we start to really be able to prioritize. And, and, and we start to see these new gifts and these new things. And what we do is we're supposed to offer that to God. Like something starts to stir in our heart. We start to see a first fruit. And then that becomes an offering. These first fruits, folks... What's interesting about it to me is that you can only get these when you're in that new place. You only get it when you're in the new place. These aren't fruits indigenous to Egypt where the journey started. These aren't fruits indigenous to the desert because ain't nothing growing there. These are fruits that are coming out of a new place. I think, you know, last, last night I did a wedding and, and I was talking to the couple about how it's not what you see but it's how you see. It's not what you see, but it's how you see. And that how you see where I can start to look at these, these new gifts and start to, to see them in a new way. And, and it's actually a discipline because part of me doesn't want to actually believe there is a gift there. Part of me wants to just stay in circles for 40 years in the desert. But I need to move. Well, I'm going to be moving. God's always going to have us moving because that's how we grow. It's the only way you know something is growing when you see it moving. And then I can get, wow, that is a beautiful first fruit. I can express with gratitude. I can offer it up to God. Now, one of the things we do at New Church Live is, is we like to hear from people out there in the audience. We like to hear from our online audience. So I have one person who has warmly volunteered to go first. And that's to give us an example of a first fruit, of a journey that they have had over their life. Where, again, they saw this thing that was so hard, and then all of a sudden there was a gift on the other side of it they just didn't anticipate. I'm not gonna call, you're not gonna call on anybody who doesn't wanna raise their hand, so you don't need to be afraid. Nobody's getting voluntold today, because this is a very, yes, you get this, is very sensitive stuff. But if you would like to share, I invite you to, just so we can hear part of your story. All right, everybody understand that? All right, so let's see our first. You good, my friend? All right. Um, So at 18, I was diagnosed with epilepsy. And when I first heard the news, it was definitely why me? Um, I'm alone, I don't have anybody else in this situation. But now when I look back on it, It gave me the tools that I needed to move forward and succeed in other parts of my life, and it was truly a blessing rather than a curse. Excellent. Thank you, Jack. Give Jack a round applause. Do you have someone else who'd like to share one? Is there someone else? Oh. For me, um, 
in my 30s, surrendering that and accepting I could not drink successfully was <laughs> horrible. It was the death sentence, and it ended up being the biggest blessing in my life. To this day, I say I am so grateful I experienced that. That's so good. Mm -hmm. So good. So good. So good. Any other ones out there, folks? Do we have a third one out there? Anybody else? All right. Um, in 93, I had an auto accident, and I was rear-ended really bad. And I was a physical person most of my life and really connected through ath uh, being athletic and doing sports. And after uh, the accident, I was unable to do that. So I had to develop another part of myself, and I got involved with music and creating music and playing guitar. That's good. Good one, Roger. Um, when I was much younger, I used to be a semi-professional rugby player, and I was very athletic and so much into sports, uh, pretty much in an arrogant way, uh, thinking I was better than other people. And then uh, I broke my back during a match, and I went through uh, hell for a month and uh, hospital and lost all my capacities, and for a long time I had to rely a lot on other people to be able to, to strive. And before, I'd, I was so much ang so angry about it. And now that I think about it, uh, I realize that it taught, it taught me uh, respect and compassion because I, was, I could do nothing without anybody else. So now I'm very grateful that I actually went through that. That's good. That's good. And thank for sharing that because that, those are examples of first fruits, right? And we, we talked about how our journey goes. Like none of us, last week we talked about this, like none of us would have chosen that journey. None of us would choose to break our back. None of us would choose a car. None of us would choose any of these things per se. But yet, if we get into this discipline where we start to trace through our life and we start to see, we start to see the meaning, you, you know, the, the meaning, like how this adds richness and meaning to our lives, then we can start to put the story together. It doesn't, and, and again, like I want to be so careful because it, it doesn't bring um, closure necessarily. Like I feel some people, uh, you know, many people, me included, have gone through such heartbreaking things that as Anne Lamont said, the best we can do is to dance, but we're going to dance with a limp. You've heard me say that before. We're going to dance again, but we're going to dance with a limp. And what I know to be true is this over and over again. As people go through this, and they go through this discipline again and again, man's search for meaning, what grows is compassion. What grows is understanding. What grows is an ability to connect with our fellow human beings and with God. That's why this discipline that may sound so arcane like first fruits, what's that about? But the reality is when we start to let it into our lives, it can, it can grow in pretty amazing ways, pretty profound ways. I want to share with you a great quote from Ann Voskamp where, where she talks about this. And I, this is one, by the way, we, we take a lot of pictures here. This is one I would definitely take a picture of, put it up on your refrigerator. All of you get five extra credit points if you do it because it's such a good quote. You don't get to write all of your story, but you do get to be grateful for it. 
And that is what changes everything into the kind of story you always hope for. I love that idea. You know, and Ann Voskamp, you know, she wrote a book called A Thousand Blessings, and her story is very, very hard. It creates, it has parts of it that are very tragic, tragic loss, lots of challenges. But, but here she is saying, yeah, and you can find this way. You know, grateful that maybe you knew love, grateful that you understand, gr- grateful that you're growing in compassion. And then what comes out of that at the back end, this is Al Mann, a beautiful quote that he has. The story moves from the independent person to the emphatically related one. From your own private performance and self-justification to the joint, I'm going to have you say the others at the end. Justification, the joint lived awareness of the needs of others. The needs of others. We really do start to see that. We really do start to experience that. What I want to do now is I want to show you a video. It's a beautiful video. And what you're going to see in this video is you're going to see all these pieces, like how these can really come together. Somebody who's learned to rehearse a story well and to come up with a sense of, of like belonging and connection, even in the heartbreak of their stories, to see that bigger meeting. And then, this is important, and then you're going to see her offer first fruits. You're going to see her offering things of gratitude out there into the world. You're going to really like this video. Take a look. Hey, Kelly. Hi. It's 2 o'clock. The baby was here at 1.36. My favorite part of the day was getting to hold Eli for the first time and to rock him and watch him sleep and watch his eyes open. Ten years ago, my husband and our baby boy and I were in a horrific car accident. Eli was 14 weeks old, so it was just a new baby. Life was perfect and just how it should be. I can't wait to see AJ being the best dad in the world because he will be that. And my husband was killed instantly in the impact. Our son was severely injured. It's now 10 years later and I want to find the team of heroes that helped save my son's life and thank them. Thank you, Project. Hi, Jana. This is Kelly Haddock. I spoke to you last week about the thank you event. That'd be really good. Do you know where she lives now? Is she still in Florida? Jody? Yeah. Hi, I'm Kelly. Hi. And you're Susie. I'm Susie. Yeah. (laughs) Wow. It's amazing to see you again. I don't know if you remember me. His dad loved him so much. And he's not going to know that man. There was a number of times where his beeping would stop and it would just be a long beep. He had bleeding on his brain, multiple strokes, and he was having really bad seizures. Respiratory needed to come in and you you were just such an important part of saving his life. The doctor said it doesn't look good. If Eli lives, Probably not going to be able to walk or talk or show motion. Hello, Kelly Attic. Uh, my name is Bill Campbell. I received an email from the flight team that you uh, were looking for me. You guys getting him where he needed to, to, to be very quickly was, was really key in his survival. 
And um, I just, I am so grateful to you for what, what you were a part of doing. You were the first doctor that believed in us and believed in me and believed that there was a solution to help you like it better. And it was less than a week later that I got to drive my baby boy home from the hospital. There aren't words to describe. You don't think about it on a daily basis, you know. Mm -hmm. You do what you have to do. Because mm -hmm. that's your job. But when you stand back and think about yeah. the impact that you're making. Yeah. I've never been thanked, so you know you it's really? not something you do for anything. Uh -huh. You've never been thanked? Not after, not later. You know, wow. you don't see people. Yeah. So this is really special. Yeah. This is really nice. Wow. We're doing an event, okay. and we want to honor you at the event. Oh, it would be such a privilege if you would come to our party so we can honor you and say thank you um, there properly. And there's a picture of Eli, and he will be at the event, so you'll get to meet him. This is my, my new husband, Ted. You're, you're a lucky man. Very <laughs> blessed. Yes. And, um, wow. He adopted Eli also, and wow. so now awesome. Eli not only is, is doing well, he has an incredible dad. It was not hard to decide to adopt Eli. It was a blessing from the beginning. But I do want to continue the story that he began and to honor him in doing that. This whole journey has been such a mix of the darkness right next to the beauty. I can't believe he's 10. Look at him. Mm -hmm. He's whole. I think probably the best moment was when the people that helped save Eli's life stood up and to see all of our family and friends cheering for them and clapping for them. That was the moment that I've dreamed of for 10 years. Eli's face, I think of his smile, and I uh, then imagine what if that face didn't exist, or what if it had been snuffed out. None of us make it into life, or through life, on our own. Alright, you ready to stand up? There you go. I think if a, if a video could get a standing ovation, that would be one. Do you see the offering of first fruits there, folks? It, it's, it's beautiful to watch. It's beautiful to see, even in the darkness of that all, even in the challenge of that all. And getting a chance to see somebody who's made some choices, who's had some discipline around working through it as best they can. Maybe we don't get a choice in terms of the lives that are laid out for us to live, maybe we get a choice whether we're going to live those lives. And we can live it this way, as best we can in all its brokenness. So thank you for living your lives as best you can. No matter where you find yourself on this, just, just know that God's holding you there.
And that there is a promised land. There is a place of peace, safety, of love, of care, and of gratitude. Amen. Thank you for listening. You can support this podcast at www.newchurchlive.tv. 